You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for being here today. We are going to talk about everybody's favorite subject, health insurance. Uh, I'm in a group with a bunch of boomers. My health insurance is skyrocketing, so I'm looking at options. I wanted you to hear, listen in a little bit. And in the process of researching this, I've found out some amazing things that I think you'll find super interesting. So my friend Matt Allen of How in the Health Podcast is here, so stay tuned. Warning, this show is for adults by semi-adults, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Again, my name is Chris Spangle. Uh, if you're new here to the program and would like to know more about everything that I believe and all my different projects, go to chris-spangle.com. But before we start, I want to thank all of the members of Wall Plus. They're the reason that this show and network exist. And you can support the show by visiting joinwallplus.com. That's W-A-L-plus.com. And learn all of the great benefits of subscribing, like no commercials. Get rid of all those commercials. The entire archives. There's at least a thousand shows in the archives that you can go back and listen to. All the really embarrassing stuff, including like my first show, my first radio show back in 2005. Uh, we want to especially thank our $100 a month members, John Pusillo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jake Edel, Matthew Durbin. Congratulations on your wedding, Matthew. Uh, Jeff uh, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. Thank you to every Wall Plus subscriber for keeping the We Are Libertarians podcast network thriving. Uh, like I said, today we are going to be talking about health insurance. And uh, I know that's probably like, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to listen about health insurance. But when we did a survey last year of our audience, healthcare is the number one topic that you want to hear about. Uh, and I have been doing podcast consulting for some folks, and I ran into a guy named Matt Allen, who is – now, Matt, you've listened to the podcast off and on for years. Am I correct in that? Yes, you are. Okay. Uh, when, like how long – when did you find it? Maybe four years ago. Okay. I don't know how. I, I initially got into the libertarian ideals when I just sort of – you know, I'm 35, so I've seen what four presidential elections, and every time I just sort of throw my hands up, like, "What? Yeah, this is what we got." And and you know, full disclosure, whatever, I've never voted in a presidential election oh, because that's very libertarian of you. Because I, you know, um, I just didn't feel like it. And so, I think through Facebook, I probably stumbled upon your 
you know, your profile and it, a lot of it spoke to me. I'm like, what is this? What is this yeah. libertarianism? Congratulations on being a sick puppy. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was talking with our friend, uh, Car- Caroline who, uh, Samantha Caroline, it's, it's not her real last name. Uh, it's her Facebook name. Like, do you ever do that where you, you know, somebody from their Facebook name and then oh, you, yeah. that's not their, like Hannah Lee. I have no idea. I don't even remember Hannah's real last name. Um, but I was FaceTiming with her and you're like, is that Chris Spangle? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for their podcast, podcast on the plaza of which you are a part occasionally. And you have a podcast called how in the health, how in the health insurance, how in the health insurance. Right. Uh, and so be sure to go and check that out and tell us a little bit about the podcast. What are you doing there? So sort of in your preamble to this, um, you kind of mentioned, do I really want to hear about health insurance? And that's sort of one of the obstacles of getting information out there is when people hear that, they sort of shut down a little bit or right. they, they just assume this sucks. This is going to suck. Why would I want to listen to this? And so what I'm trying to do is do in, in little bite-sized chunks, you know, ways that you can get the healthcare system and the health insurance system still, you, you can still get it to work for you. So, it's a deeply flawed system in America, deeply flawed, but it's not broken quite yet. It just isn't. There are ways to still leverage it to work properly for you. And so we bring on different healthcare professionals, different people in the different health insurance world, the alternatives to health insurance. We get them on there and we sort of talk strategies, tips, you know, things that a lot of people don't realize that right. they qualify for that, that is, that are programs that are available. Um, and so we just sort of, pull back the veil a little bit on what health insurance is. How can we sort of make it work for ourselves still? Yeah. So we started the process of, of launching your podcast, working together, working through it. And uh, I sat in on a recording with um, direct, I didn't know what a direct primary care physician was. And that episode, uh, you know, I don't know if it will be out by the time this airs on the Chris Spangle show, but you'll definitely want to check that one out because I was just listening to this doctor rant against the entire system and how broken it was and how he has found a model that like actually, you know, because he was just sitting like I had just gone through COVID when I was listening to, to the recording and, you know, he's basically saying, yeah, you get sick and you call your doctor and maybe you can get a, an appointment nine months later, which is exactly what happened to me because I had a doctor's appointment that I set in April, set for September. I had to cancel it because I was COVID positive at that point. And uh, I have no idea when I'll be able to see him again. And when I do see him for the first time in five or six years, he'll take 10 minutes just to, oh, hey, uh, how are you? You know, how crazy is it that when you're sick, you can't see your doctor? Yeah, (laughs) right. And you know, he like at one point in the last five years prescribed a medicine to me that just on the phone and I didn't even talk to him. I talked to some nurse who relays the message and, uh, you know, this medicine had serious side effects and like, you know, I, I Googled it cause I take that stuff seriously, but like, you're just handing me this major medication. It's, that it's incredible how many screw people, you up. it's incredible how many people I will go and see to talk to them about their health insurance and they'll bring out like a tub of their pills. Yeah. And they, you know, we we're, we start going through them and they're all prescribed by different physicians <laughs> who aren't coordinating the care. And, you know, a handful of them sometimes, they don't even know why they're taking them. Right. They don't even know. But because a guy in a white lab coat said, you need to take this, 
after talking to them for eight minutes, they take it. Yeah, the uh, I'm on one medication for um, uh, my depression, anxiety stuff. And uh, this is a very expensive medication, which has kind of played a factor in, in our conversations about my health insurance. Um, I never met with him about that. I just called him up and said, you know, my, my therapist recommended this. What do you think? And he put me on it. You know, and then I showed up to the pharmacy, and they're like, "That'll be four hundred dollars." And uh, fortunately, got a card, and now it's ten a month or whatever. Um, but you know, there was no real care there, and so this doctor, the direct, the direct primary, the, the DCP, what is it? DPC, direct primary care. Uh, it, I just was really impressed with that model, and maybe you can it, it touch on that briefly. Like, what what is that? What's the difference between your doctor and my doctor? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I've been dealing with individual health insurance for six years and I DPC is not a brand new thing, but it's pretty brand new to me. Um, it was sort of the missing piece in my toolkit when I help people. Um, direct primary care is basically a, a subscription model for healthcare. Um, you pay a set fee per month, whether you go to the doctor or not, and you get unfettered access to your physician whatever lab you can go as many times i'm a hypochondriac so during COVID, i was like calling my doctor every other hour like i have this new side effect what does this do and (laughs) And i'm sure stop calling (laughs) and i'm sure if we asked my doctor that he would have said he would have said the same thing that he got a bunch of calls for that as well but essentially what it is is he has a vested interest in my health yeah so you sort of mentioned the traditional healthcare model and the traditional healthcare system um, you know, you, you called to schedule an appointment. Hopefully you can get in that week. Maybe it's the following week. Maybe it's same day, but most likely not. And those physicians are seeing 25, 30, 35, maybe 40 patients a day. Yeah. So how much actual care is being put into that? Um, you know, I've been to the doctor before just like that. And they sit you down, they ask you your symptoms, they pull up your electronic medical, medical records and they try to give you a pill that will fix it so that you have to come back every three months to get it, you know, refilled. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's just a system where or they refer you to somebody in their network right. or in their system, you know, right. the Hendrix regional system that will take care of that particular ailment that you can hopefully see in the next two weeks. Because do they get a, a kickback for a referral like that? Or they is just, it- they, they just contractually have to refer you in network. Okay. It's part All of right. the contract that they sign with their, facility or whatever. Um, and my doctor sort of spoke on that a little bit in that, in that episode. And so the, the difference in this is that my doctor gets paid his monthly fee, no matter what, if I go and call him and I'm a hypochondriac and I'm there every other day, or if like me, who is not so much a hypochondriac, I'm going to see him once a year. Yeah. He's going to, I'm going to be a cash cow for him. Um, but I can see him Whenever I want to. Yeah. If I have a sinus infection, if I've got the flu, if I've got this weird rash or mole that just won't go away or the mole's growing or whatever, I can call him. I can see him that day or the on-call nurse practitioner, or I can see him next day. That's the guarantee that I get. And um, I even did a telemedicine with him because I did have a weird skin thing. Um, He was sick. called your face. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. He he was out sick. And so what do you do when your doctor's out sick? they they offered me to see a nurse practitioner same day, um, but I I didn't want to. I almost felt guilty. I'm like, well, no, I have a 
subscription to him. And she's like, hold, please. She called him at home while he was sick. Like, and he agreed to do a telemedicine visit with me. We, uh, 20 minutes later, he phoned in a prescription at the pharmacy for me. Yeah. I've been thinking about this because if I go, if I call my doctor, something's wrong or I'm hesitant to call my doctor because I don't want him to tell me something's wrong. Like, <laughs> oh man, I'm really tired today. I don't want to go get checked out and find out I have X, Y, or Z, right? Like, but this doctor, this model is really about going to this guy and you can get all kinds of different blood work and lab work and they, they help you figure things out and, and it's, you pay monthly as opposed to just when you use it. Um, so I was really impressed with the conversation and kind of the, the preventative side versus what I have in my doctor, which is something's wrong. Let me call him. Uh, you know, he's not taking lab work. He's not giving me physicals. He's, you know, it's up to me to kind of go, well, I don't know if I should take this vitamin or, you know, so, uh, so I was really impressed with that, especially after kind of coming off of a, a lackluster performance by, you know, it's not that my doctor's not great. I've seen him since I was, you know, 18 or 17. I like him. It's just like you hear this version of care and you're like, this is much superior. So then the next week we have our insurance meeting at work. So I've got insurance on the brain because of helping you start your podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm in a group. Uh, I have a great job and I have a very generous employer. So let me say that first and foremost, what, what I pay for my insurance is not anywhere near probably what they pay because the way that employer insurance works is you, you pay 80 and they pay 20 or they pay 50, you pay 50, you know, the, your, your, your employer is paying something to carry your insurance group. Um, but I am like the youngest person in my group, maybe second youngest. Um, and it's a lot. And you're of, not even that young. I'm not. I'm 38. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the, the it's a lot of boomers and it's a small group and there's been a lot of claims, I think. Uh, and so, you know, insurance is just going up and COVID is going up. And every year that I've been there, insurance is going up. And so you just sort of, sort of don't think about it, right? Like you are blessed to have in employer-based insurance. That's why you keep the W-2 job and don't go 1099 doing gig work and self-employed and gosh, I need that. I need that employer-based insurance or else I'm really screwed. And I think a lot of people think that they, they kind of stay at that W-2 job because they're afraid of going out on their own and getting their own insurance, getting their own, you know, they want those benefits. Benefits are really important, right? Um, and you know, my my coworker was like, have you seen how much we are actually paying? <laughs> and I hadn't because it's just you take it for granted because it just comes out of your check. You don't see it. It's like payroll taxes. And I looked and it's several hundred dollars a month for insurance. Um, And I was like, well, let me call Matt. <laughs> and uh, actually, I may have the timeline off here, but I was just like, dude, there's got to be a better way. Right. So Matt came and sat down with my fiance and I, and we worked out this plan. And, you know, if it weren't for this one non-generic medication that I'm taking, I'd probably save half of my bill. But when I get married in December and add Reagan, my insurance, if I added her to the work plan, would double yeah. to a significant amount of month money a month. Um, and so she's going to do something a little bit different with her health care. That's going to save us a lot of money. And so in the, in the, in the process of having this conversation, I was just like, dude, we, we need to put this on the air so people can hear a, how they can maybe think a little bit differently about this system 
But specifically, why is this system so broken, especially the Affordable Care Act? Um, we're going to try and fit everything into uh, this episode today. If we don't, then we're going to have a part two with Matt Allen of How in the Health Insurance podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about those different options that he presented to us when we come back after this break. Welcome back to The Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for being here. Make sure you support the program by supporting our sponsors. We are blessed to have uh, several advertisers now that are help supporting the network. That money goes to uh, goes directly to our hosts. So when you hear those commercials playing now, um, for, for the most part, you hear either an advertisement for one of our other network shows, or you're now starting to hear ads like uh, Pillow Sonic, or you're hearing the Rightly Podcast Network, and... Right now with Stephen Kent, or you're hearing, um, you know the the Sound Mind Creative Guides. Well, that that all is helping support our hosts. Something like the Rightly Ad. Uh, every every time they cut a check to us each month, I send a significant portion of that money right to our hosts to give them a little bit to support their efforts. So we really would appreciate your support in uh, helping uh, Patreon, uh, Patreon, not Patreon. Give patronage uh, to our sponsors. That laugh you heard is Matt Allen of How in the Health Insurance Podcast, a uh, longtime We Are Libertarians podcast listener, and uh, a good friend of mine who is talking about health insurance. And so you sat down with us to walk us through this and presented us with some options. Obviously, we have uh, the health insurance plan I'm on at work, which is an Anthem plan. It's a great plan. Um, it's just like every other insurance plan. It's a little expensive. Uh, it covers a lot of stuff. Um, I, I'm going to end up staying on that plan because it's the most beneficial to me. Uh, and I have no qualms about that, but it, uh, it, you know, with my fiance coming and us getting married, it's like, all right, well, what do we do? Do we both go on different plans or do we stay on this plan? What are our options? Let's at least find out what those options are. And so you wrote out like a little grid of like three or four or five options. And the first option that if you're not going to get an employer plan and you don't qualify for something like, let's say the healthy Indiana state plan, the, you know, the uh, state insurance. Um, what was that first option that you okay. had? So the first option is the affordable care act. Obamacare, healthcare.gov, marketplace, whatever you want to call it, those are all different ways of saying the marketplace, which right. is how I refer to it. Um, you know, 49% of people get work or get health insurance through a job, either okay. their job, spouse's job, parents' job. 35% get their health insurance through the government. So, like you had said, the Healthy Indiana State Plan or Medicare, Medicaid, whatever. That leaves 16% of people who've got to figure it out on their own. Those are the people I can really help. And those are the people where those five options come into play. So the first one is the Affordable Care Act. If you have to find your own health insurance, this was supposed to be the solution. And for lots of people, it is the solution. Yeah, and this was the, what was passed, what was called Obamacare. Right. Which was passed a few years ago under Obama. Right. Um, you know, and famously did several things. Yes. Uh, namely, adding pre-existing conditions. Yes. Um, for those of us with employer insurance, I guess we kind of all thought, well, there, that's that's the, the other option. Right. 
Um, so what, what is the affordable care act? You know, it was supposed to be the, the best solution, you know, it's a, it's a free market you solution, can keep right? Doctor. Yeah. Right. You can uh-huh. keep your, yeah. Famously you're, you know, you didn't mention that the other night, but you're so right. Yeah. If you like your doctor, you can keep them. Yeah. That couldn't be further from the truth of what you were telling not, me. Not anymore. So, <laughs> so what the, it's actually called the PPACA, the patient protection, affordable care act whatever it was passed in 2010 and sort of enacted in 2014 um, was when they created the government federally funded marketplace, the FFM. And basically they, they determined what a major medical plan was. So that, that used to be the phrase was a major medical plan. Now it's called a qualified health plan, a QHP. And what the legislation has said is if you want your health insurance plan, they went to all the health insurance companies, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Humana, all of them. And they said, if you want your plan to be on this marketplace, it has to now be a qualified health plan. Here's what a qualified health plan is. And it lists out these things called the 10 essential benefits. Okay, your plan has to cover these things to be on the marketplace. And so almost every insurance company right in lockstep said, "Okay, great, we'll create one of those. Perfect. But if you really dig into what these 10 essential benefits are, a lot of them aren't really essential for a lot of people. Okay, drug and alcohol abuse and rehab, transgender stuff, uh, psychiatric stuff, uh, maternity coverage, uh, extended prescription care. A lot of these things are good things. I Don't get me wrong. I love the Affordable Care Act because it allows people who otherwise couldn't get health insurance an avenue to get health insurance. Meaning they had those pre-existing conditions like they had a nagging knee pain or they were on something like Coumadin, like Hillary Clinton can't get insurance. So she's she's got on Coumadin uh, famously. And so your your average health insurance company would go well what's that about do you have a pacemaker why are you you know why are you on a blood thinner what's your issue sorry you're denied coverage Mm -hmm. because as you told me they basically look at what drugs you're on when they're looking to qualify you for an insurance plan that isn't an aca plan right right so not every health insurance company said okay government we'll make a qhp for you and we'll put it on the marketplace (laughs) right there were still some companies that were more geared towards the free market and sort of were saying, well, hold on a second. Insurance is a risk-based product. And one of those 10 essential benefits that I didn't mention was exactly what you referenced, which is the pre-existing condition endorsement. Right. So anyone can get health insurance now through the marketplace if they can afford it. Anybody can. No questions asked. No questions asked except your zip code and how much money you make. Okay. Okay. What that has done is it has removed risk from the equation. Could you imagine a world where you can get auto insurance and they don't look at your driving record? <laughs> right. Where you get homeowner's insurance and they don't care if you're in a floodplain and you're a thousand miles from the nearest fire station. Right. It wouldn't work. Allstate wouldn't offer those plans. State Farm wouldn't offer those plans. They wouldn't exist. Could you imagine if life insurance, you're about to get married. I hope you got life insurance. But mm-hmm. could you imagine taking out a policy, you pass away, and they just say, okay, Reagan, here's a uh, American Express black card. You can just get unlimited money. No, right. you have a face value on there, and they made you do a physical before you got it. So it's a risk-based product. The ACA, Obamacare, they basically just said, nah, it's not a risk-based product anymore. No risk-based product, unlimited amounts of money spent. On, you You have a brain tumor that, you know, you're – 
unfortunately faced with like what John McCain had, and it's going to cost two million dollars. The ACA will cover it. They have There's to. no caps. The health insurance company has to cover it. Okay. Now, insurance companies are still for profit, though, so they are not just going to sit there and take it. So if they can't assess the risk on the front end by picking and choosing who they are going to give insurance to, and if they have to cover everything, which is those 10 essential benefits, and they have to cover it for an unlimited amount, like you just said, it's untenable. Sure. So they have to somehow control their costs. So what they do is they artificially inflate their premiums, they increase the deductibles, and they limit the providers that you can go see. That's where you hear narrow network. That's where you hear HMO, health maintenance organization. Right. So with my Anthem plan, um, I can go anywhere, really. I mean, there's almost nothing that is out of network for a, you know the, the work p- plan that I'm on. I can go to you know, St. Francis, Methodist, Community East, or you whatever. You go to the Mayo Clinic, Chris. I, right. You- I can go. Right. It's going to be covered because those hospitals, those places say we know they're good for it and legally they have a duty to pay and we have a good relationship with them. But with the ACA plan, you're limited not to St. Francis, and I'm just spitballing here, right? So if your choices are St. Francis and Methodist, IU Health, Community East, sorry, you can only go to Community East. That's the only thing in the network because we have to limit the doctors that we're working with. That's correct. Why do they do that? What's the benefit there? So the benefit is twofold. There's benefit to the provider and there's a benefit to the insurance company. So the benefit to the insurance company is controlling their costs. So yes, they have to accept everyone. Yes, they have to provide unlimited coverage. And yes, they have to cover everything. But what they reimburse the providers and the doctors and the facilities for certain services, they can control. So they basically came up with enormous lists of every possible medical procedure, medical coding, all of that. And they said, hey, we're going to pay X amount of dollars for this uh, appendectomy. Right. And they went to the providers, doctors, hospitals, and they said, here's our list of reimbursements. Do you accept it or do you deny it? And the doctors in the hospitals basically had to look at that list and be like, can we still turn a profit if we're accepting this? Okay, yes, we can. Do we need this influx of patients who are going to be on the ACA and will have to go to us because we're actually in network? Do we want to be in this arrangement? And so what you found was certain hospitals, providers, facilities, and doctors said, yeah, we want that influx of people. Other places said, no, these reimbursements are way too low. We're only going to accept Chris's Blue Cross Blue Shield plan. We're going to accept self-pay clients. We're going to accept private insurance. We're going to accept Medicare. We're not accepting the ACA plans. Okay. And so that's where it's a benefit to the provider because they have this new influx of people who basically have to go to them. Sure. Because they're the only ones in network. And so if you really break it down and, and take it to the next step, well, if I'm a successful doctor, and I have a large book of business, why would I want to accept these lower reimbursement rates and get all these people who are probably sick because they're on the Affordable Care Act in the first place? When I've already got this good book of business, like Chris Spangle comes to me and he's got his Blue Cross Blue Shield, they pay so well, their reimbursements are great. I I don't need to accept the ACA. So what you're finding is more well-established doctors, providers, and facilities, and the, I don't, 
I don't want to disparage any medical professional. It's but, just the reality. But some in a people way, are good at their job and some people are at the lower end of the good of the But good in a way, <laughs> if I'm a really good physician, I don't have to take the ACA. If I suck, if I can't keep a patient to save my life or their life, <laughs> I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll take the ACA. And so what you're finding is, sure, they can get health insurance, but they're being told where they can go. Procedures are either being approved or they're being denied. And and it's expensive. Yeah. So really, what 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 have we done? <laughs> I mean, you've given a preview of the future of single payer. Yes, I have. Right. Because, well, we need to control costs as the single payer government system. So we're going to, you know, in, in Canada, famously, like if you wanted, it's two, two years sometimes to get a basic procedure like a pap smear done. Yeah. Um, you, you'll you'll run into Canadians who love it, and then you'll run into Canadians who just have these horror stories. Who've of, actually had to use it? Who'd had to use it? <laughs> who have a brain tumor, and they're like, "Can I get to the United States to the Mayo Clinic?" Uh, you know, so there's yeah, the the scarcity plays into all this. Controlling supply and demand always ends up with these bad outcomes. Um, so so that's the ACA. You yeah. you. You know you uh, you have a pacemaker, you have diabetes, you have issues. You can get health insurance now. Is and I know that libertarians and and people on the right are really anybody who uses this sounds like they they like take a crap on it. But is that necessarily a bad thing that there is now an option? I think it's I think it's a great thing. Okay, I love the ACA. I I I have been disparaging it, but for certain people. It's a wonderful option. Mm. When I talk about these narrow networks, it's kind of, I'm kind of, you know, doing a monster under the bed thing a little bit. Right. People take it. Hospitals take it. Providers take it. But, you know, if if one of my kids gets cancer and I, I'm going to want to take them, you know, to Lurie Children's Hospital. Sure. Or I'm going to want to take them to the Mayo Clinic, MD Anderson in Houston. That's what I'm going to want for my family personally. Right. I can't take an ACA plan there. Right. They'll you, tell you right on their website. We don't accept marketplace You're saying the plans. Children's Hospital in Chicago says on their website they won't take you. Right on there. You can go there. Yeah. It says it right there. And so for me and my peace of mind and my security, you know, the ACA is basically like a, a, a card that says, hey, you can have unlimited McDonald's for life. And what these other options are saying are, hey, each meal will give you 50 bucks, but you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. you can find a meal that's more than 50 bucks. Yeah. And you'll have to pay some out of pocket, but you're going to find really good food a lot of places. So in your anecdotal experience, I mean, people who are on your ACA plans that you help sign up, I mean, you said you were signing up a significant amount of people for it over the next couple of months. Like, I mean, is it overwhelmingly negative, positive in the middle? Is it just, you know, depends on the person's attitude towards things. So it depends on the person's attitude. There are a lot of people out there who don't share my want for network flexibility. Okay. There's some people out there who want that unlimited. They want that stop loss. They they just say, man, I don't care. I I don't care who they tell me to go right. to a yeah. doctor. They all, you know, we say some people are bad at their jobs, but to them, well, everybody graduated medical school. Right. And, and I think that's a fine outlook to have. It just doesn't happen to be mine. Um, and, and if they have that outlook, that's great. We, we also haven't even addressed, one of the other things about the ACA is the tax credit being mm-hmm. available. 
And so a lot of these people who I'm putting on the ACA because of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, those tax credits have gotten bigger and they've extended to even more people who Hmm. previously couldn't qualify for one. And And, how does this work? And so it's based on your household modified adjusted gross income. And they ask you to predict what it's going to be, which is difficult for a lot of self-employed people, but they ask you for a prediction. And then based on that, it's a multiplier of the federal poverty line year after year. So they always move the goalposts, but, but it's okay. And if you qualify for it, you know, typically you actualize any tax credit that you get at the end of the year when you file your taxes, you know, you, you're waiting on your refund. Everybody's waiting on the refund right now. Um, Spent mine already. But what they allow you to do uh, with the ACA is if they project that you are going to get one of these tax credits, you can advance it onto your monthly premiums so that they are cheaper. That's where the affordable part of the ACA is supposedly supposed to come in. And so what I do for people like that, when I say I'm going to be signing up a lot of people is I'll get them on that ACA plan if they get a tax credit, because it's difficult to compete on the open market at a heavily discounted plan. But what I'll do is then I'll supplement that ACA plan so that in case something major and something bad befalls them, they can seek treatment outside of that restrictive ACA network. Yeah, and so we'll talk about that. Um, you were mentioning uh, a, an acquaintance that basically got to take a month off to qualify for the credit. Uh, you, I mean, it's my dad. All right, yeah. I, I didn't want to out <laughs> your dad like that, but yeah, I mean, I thought this was an interesting part of it. Like you, you hear, you hear, like where, where are all these people going, quitting their jobs and not working, and like why are they? I thought this was an interesting example of how all of these new, uh, you know, tax credits and, you know, uh, the rescue plan and all these things are benefiting people to not work, incentivizing people to not work. And so it's, you know, as with a lot of government programs, that is sort of a, you know, perverse side effect to some of these things. Um, and that anecdote, while, while it is true, it's not quite as relevant anymore. Because one thing that the American Rescue Plan Act did, which as much as I hate more legislation, it flattened out the issue that you're sort of referring to, which, which is a good thing. So, so essentially what used to be in place, uh, before May of this year was there was this tax credit cliff that you could fall off. And so at a certain AGI, which was four times the federal poverty level, if you were just a dollar over that, you got no tax credit. So the federal poverty level, let's say, is twenty five thousand. Oh, that's way too high. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just using <laughs> yeah. it, stupid math because I'm stupid. Sure. Um, and you're four. You're making a hundred thousand. You hit that hundred thousand mark four times the AGI, then you just don't get the tax credit. You don't get any tax credit. And so, but if you're at ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine in your example, depending on your age, you get a massive tax credit before. And so what was happening for all these self-employed people and these small business owners that they were trying to project their income. They had no idea this tax cliff even existed, but they'd go onto the marketplace. And let's say in this fictional scenario, you're being optimistic in your mind and you're like, I'll probably make 90. I'll make 90 next year. That'll be good. And the federal government's like, oh, great. You're normally, just to make it easy, your normal $1,000 a month premium is actually only 200 a month now. Because you, you're only going to make 90, you need assistance. You need this tax credit. Here's $800 a month to offset the cost of your health insurance. Wow. And then that same small business owner 
had a great year. And the last thing they were thinking about is my, my premium tax credit on my ACA plan. <laughs> right. And so he busts his butt and he makes 110000 instead of ninety. And he goes to file his taxes. And his accountant comes back with this horrible news because a lot of accountants don't, didn't know about this. And he's like, hey, w- way to go. But um, you owe back $800 a month in your tax credit because now they were over the cliff. Right. And so, yeah, he made $20,000 more, but he's got to pay back $9,600. And he's sitting there sort of, he almost shot himself in the foot doing that. All right. You're incentivized and, not to be productive. And then he starts thinking, hold on a second. Health insurance premiums are $12,000 a year now that I'm successful. And that's when people started getting really angry. Yeah. Um, so that's the ACA in a nutshell. That's one option that you have. But if you don't need transgender reassignment surgery, you're uh, you're 78 years old. You're not going to have a kid. Well, if you're 78, you're on that government. Yeah. You're or, on or, that good stuff. You're, you're uh, 50 and you're there in you menopause. Uh, you're <laughs> not going to have transgender reassignment surgery. You're, you're not going to access those 10 benefits. Back when, I mean, I had, in my 20s, I had insurance for one year because it was employer-based insurance. I worked at a, a place for a year that, that gave me insurance and I could barely afford it. But then the rest of the time, I would quote it out, and it'd be like $120, $200 a month, and I just couldn't afford it. I was just too poor in my 20s to afford that insurance, so I just didn't have insurance. Um, and so I remember the a la carte of, of these different options. But I guess we should ask, you know, what about the penalty? Are you still penalized? Explain the mandate. Uh, I know – you know that was the big thing is that you you had to have insurance or you got penalized a certain amount of money. That's sort of how the Christian sharing plan started to come into fruition. We'll talk about that and gain popularity. Um, where does the individual mandate and showing the government on your taxes that you have insurance stand? So your insurance will still give you that 1095A form at the end of the year if you've had qualified health plan. Yeah, I remember having to provide that on my taxes this year, but I thought Trump had gotten rid of it. So, ish, um, the last year that it was actually in effect was 2018, and the only way that they could actually recoup that penalty, that tax mandate penalty, was to withhold it from any future refunds. So, you weren't actually required to pay it if you owed money, but if they owed you money, they'd just withhold it. And so, I think at the, the so it never really existed. Never really it's, existed. It's sort of like the OSHA thing where they're going to penalize companies. It's a, it's a scare tactic. Yeah, like the vaccine with a hundred employees or whatever. They're never going to enforce that. They're no. already saying they're not going to enforce that. They're never going to. It's just about the press release. Right. Do this or else. Right. And people get scared and and comply as opposed to like reading the the language. And the overwhelming takeaway from all that for so many people was it's illegal to not have health insurance. Right. And part of that was the right-leaning media kind of not not knowing what they were talking about. I heard that so much. So anyway. I know I said it on this show, I'm sure. There you go. Right. And um, so anyway, the the last year of the penalty, I I believe the numbers were it was either $695 or it was 2.5% of your adjusted gross income, whichever was higher, was the penalty for not having it. Um, as of January 1st, 2019, Trump, and I, I believe I'm accurate on this, um, but he didn't remove the tax penalty. He just turned it to zero. 
because to withdraw the whole thing from the PPACA legislation would be too complicated. So he moved it down to zero. But, you know, as of that year, you no longer are penalized for not having a qualified health plan. So even though you get that 1095A form and you're supposed to file it with your taxes, go ahead and do it. There's no real reason not to, I guess, but there's also no real reason to do it. Yeah, and reason stands that if Joe Biden wants to dial that back up to $695, he could. He could. Uh, it'd be a lot of pushback, but yes, yeah, it's, but it's that's not a, impossible. Why do it when people already still think that you have to have insurance or you're going to be penalized. Right. It wasn't, it was never about a money-making strategy. It was a, it was a, a, a coercion yeah. type of thing. And so that's where you've always got to read the fine print and understand how government works because a lot of the stuff that the government, that, that, that they say, you know, do this or else, it's very, very hard for the federal government to enforce anything. You know, that's why there was never going to be a, uh, a federal shutdown of the entire country. They literally could not do that. Um, now your local zoning board, your local, uh, health department, that that's where they can actually, you know, because the smoking ban here in Indianapolis 10 years ago, I mean, the libertarians were literally the only people standing against that. I mean, we were out there saying they're going to build mechanisms that they're going to use in the future for other things. Oh, you're crazy. It's just about the smoking. Well, that's exactly what happened with the, with the pandemic and, and the shutdown. So, But if you live in Spencer, they don't have a health department in Spencer <laughs> in Indiana. Uh, so the federal government's not rolling with tanks to, to force you know those businesses to shut down. Um, so you always have to kind of uh, remember that when these grand pronouncements of this stuff are made and then both sides, you know, act the way that they act, you always have to kind of remember, can this be enforced? So I think that's a great lesson. Um, so if I don't want to join the a la carte, I don't need these various things, uh, you know, Reagan needs the maternity insurance. I don't, if we're going to split up how we, we get things, uh, separated out, like, are there still options out there that aren't, you know, that will allow me to pick and choose and kind of that, you know, what, if you're not personally on the ACA, what's that other option? So as you had mentioned, I have that direct primary care. Um, I have that monthly subscription and, you know, for a young ish, healthy guy like me, that ideally takes care of about 99% of my healthcare needs, hmm. the small stuff. But my physician would even tell you, he'll say, you, you still need more coverage. Like a catastrophic type coverage. If my arm fell off or if I if I were just bleeding, I got into a car accident, I was unconscious, I got or he found cancer, I'm not going to keep going to him to treat those things. Right. If I have an emergency, that's the last place I want to go. And he would tell me that. He would say, no, go to the emergency room. And so outside of that, I still want coverage because the idea behind insurance and any insurance is it's a reallocation of risk from yourself to a company that has more money than you. And in case you incur some sort of financial loss with your car, with your house, with your life, with disability, with your health, that company will help allay some of those financial burdens. So I still need health insurance outside of the DPC. So I have individual catastrophic health insurance, but I also have a cost sharing plan. So I actually have three things. And while we were speaking about the tax penalty, I, I want to touch on cost sharing plans because most people have heard of them by now. 
Yeah, like the uh, Christian sharing plans, like, you know, basically the way that this is the way insurance should be. You gather together 500 of your friends, you all pull your money together, and then somebody gets in a car accident and you share it out. Um, you know, Dave Ramsey has promoted a lot of these. I listen to Moody Radio um, most days, and they always have an advertisement for MediShare, I think yeah. is the, the, the one that I hear on Moody Radio a lot. Um, what are those and why are those, why are those, uh, exempt from all kinds of rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff? Not that I want that. I'm saying, I just can't believe that they haven't been. Right. And so cost sharing programs, this is a very old idea. Um, and the idea of them is based on insurance. I mean, you said it, you have 500 of your friends, you pool all your money and then you, you take the money out of the pool. If one of the friends gets in an accident, that's, it's the same idea as insurance it's there's a pool of money and then a board of directors assigns that pool of money based on the contracts that you sign and so cost sharing programs have been around um i think the oldest one is the late 70s early 80s these are not a new idea um they've just very much grown in popularity and it's because of the tax penalty Mm. it's because of the affordable care act that they blew up nearly overnight and the reason being is that in that qualified health plan, in those 10 essential benefits, there are certain things that you sort of touched on the Christian community. There are certain things in those plans that the Christian community just has a moral disagreement with. You know, on the ACA, abortions, birth control, transgender, drug abuse, rehab, all that stuff is pre-baked in all of those plans. Mm. And so certain religious groups basically went to the federal government and said, you can't penalize me for not participating in something I don't want to participate in. Sure. I have a moral disagreement with this. And the federal government was like, all right, you know, basically like prove it, prove, prove to me that. <laughs> and, and so as long as you were a member of one of these Christian groups, you got one of those 1095 a forms to file with your taxes that exempt you from the penalty. And so, it's not health insurance. It's not a qualified health plan, but it's basically a religious exemption from it. Yeah, that was the big problem with the vaccine mandate that a lot of like, legal scholars said. There's no religious exemption here, so it'll never pass because, like, look at the ACA and look at this specific example. So, yeah, and you were show- showing me, like, the penal- the cost of the plan versus the penalty was less, right? So back in, what is 2015 or 16 or whatever um, – the cheapest Christian plan that would exempt you from the penalty was $540 a year. Mm-hmm. Well, you compare that to 695. Well, it's cheaper. Right. And so a lot of people are like, well, I, I know people who weren't even Christian who just signed up for it to get the form at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, and, and whether or not that's okay, and that's a different topic. But, um, and the fact of the matter was if you paid the penalty, you didn't have any coverage. If you bought this cost sharing plan, you actually had something. And so what they pride themselves on, um, and John Oliver did a hit piece on these cost-sharing plans, and, and you know, some of it, okay, I, I get it. And I know he's he's doing it to be grandiose and, and get a reaction from people. Right. I, I understand that. But a lot of the things he was saying was he, he was basically arguing that this isn't health insurance, people, and that's the point, John. <laughs> they don't want to be health insurance. They want to distance themselves from being health insurance. Right. That's almost the point of them. And so, well, it's just like that attitude of these people who partake in this conservative leaning thing must be idiots. So we need to save them from themselves. It's like, 
oh, it's so it's so exhausting. Yeah, but it isn't health insurance. So, like, what's the difference between? I mean, it sounds like you know you get into. What's the difference between this and the catastrophic health insurance, though? So, the reason that I have both, and we'll, we'll get into all that, but the difference is basically it's not regulated. Okay. Um, there's no like governing body over it, and that again is what appeals to a lot of people. Sure. And that's what a lot of people take a big dump on it is like, well, it's not regulated. Well, a lot of people don't want it to be. Right. A lot of people want to have like a, a, a community type idea paying for their bills. My issue with it is that if they aren't required to pay my bills, and what I mean by that is each state has individual laws about health insurance, each state. That's just, that's a federal thing that came down. Each state is in charge. So each marketplace is different through the Affordable Care Act, all that stuff. But the Indiana statute in regards to cost-sharing plans, and you can look it up, it it basically in summation says, Chris, if you're part of a cost-sharing plan, you assume full responsibility for your medical bills. They don't. You understand that. And that. And that's what it says. And most people are okay with that because they're like, well, yeah, duh. I, I just want to be part of this community. I'm okay with that. But my issue with that and the reason I don't just have a cost sharing plan and the DPC is that the provider isn't guaranteed payment. Yeah. They know that. Yeah. So with your, with your catastrophic plan, they're required. You can call the insurance, uh, you know, czar of Indiana or whatever <laughs> they're called and they, they can get up the butt of Anthem or, or Humana or whomever. That'll get straightened out. They'll pay. It's an established regulated industry. The cost sharing plan is just basically you're hoping that they actually pony up the money and whip out their credit card and pay your bill. Um, it, which, I have not heard of a bunch of examples of that happening. Um, there, there seems to be a fairly good reputation with a lot of these, but right. The, in exchange for the lack of regulation, the lower cost, you're not getting a guarantee because the state's not taking certain action. Um, and, and even the language on the website for something like, uh, you know, what, what's another one other than MediShare, the Christian Christian healthcare ministries. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a monthly gift. Yeah, uh, you know they're, they're, they don't use monthly cost. It's well, you don't gifts. have a premium because a premium means you you have insurance, right? So you have a gift or a contribution or a right. donation, and yeah. then you know you don't have a deductible. You have a personal responsibility. You have an initial unshareable amount, and nothing on cost sharing plans is ever covered. You don't use the word covered. Mm. You use shared, whereas mm. insurance is covered, and so. There's these little small, you know, it's it's vernacular stuff and it's I know though for me personally, I've seen it secondhand. I know they pay. They've been around 40 years. They aren't yeah. fly by night. They aren't stiffen people. They're A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. Dave Ramsey talks about one on his show. You talked about Moody, they're talking about it. You know, I know they're paying. Sure. I know they are. But it's not guaranteed. And so if I have a brain tumor, I don't want to be told where I can go and I want the person operating on me to be assured that they're getting paid. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that, that's that me. caveat too. Yeah. That's me. That's, that's what's good for Matt Allen. And so I want a card that will let me go and seek treatment where I want to go. And I want the person who's accepting that card to be like, okay, I'm going to get paid. Let's get this brain tumor out of Matt's head. Oh, and we're here in lovely, where is it, Rochester, Minnesota, I think, where the Mayo Clinic is. Yeah. I want that ability. Yeah, I mean, 
I like that you just strip out the pretense. I mean, everybody's doing their job to get paid. Oh, yeah. Like, let's just be honest about it. Call it what it is. All these grandiose notions of, you know, we're in the healthcare industry to serve. Like, yeah, my mom's a nurse. She wants her paycheck and she wants more of oh, it. Oh, yeah. And you know, she, she deserves wants to be treated it. well, right? You know, exactly right. If you're a brain surgeon and you perform a skill, you should be paid what I mean, the market rates. That, yeah. That guy or gal's been in medical or been in some type of schooling for like 30 straight years. Yeah. I want them to get paid and paid well yeah. and on time. And so because I want them to be focused on doing the job of getting the brain tumor yeah. selfishly, I want to have really good coverage because I want them to get paid. You know, it's, it's in my best interest for that. So, so that, that's what works for me. And, and a lot of people, you know, who are listening to this are probably like, well, that's way too much. You know, I, I want one card, I want one thing. That's all I want. And I get that a lot. And I say, okay, I understand. I totally get it. Let's, let's go back to the ACA. Let's start shopping these plans. Like, well, no, I don't want that one card. I want something else. And, and so after doing this for six years and I plan to do it for much longer, you have to break through to people and it, it has to be an educational thing. At the end of the day, you have to teach them. You almost have to de-educate them on what they think health insurance is because what it is, they don't want anymore, but they yeah. can't, they can't see it. They you need to deconstruct and then reconstruct. Well, this is how it can be. It still can work. Yeah. So you recommended to to Reagan. She wants to have kids. You know, some of these sharing plans don't have maternity coverage. Some of them do. Some of them require you to a, 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 an affirmation of Christian faith. You use one that does not. I don't know if you want to give them a plug. I use a secular one. It's called Zion Health. It's sounding very Christian, which but is a great strategy. Sure, and they're based wise. out of Utah, and so um, yeah. Uh, but I love I love Zion Health. It's it's sleek. It's it's more modern. And so, um, from what I understand, is they the people who I don't really want to speak for them, but from my understanding, is they used to work with a different cost sharing program. And they sort of sat back and watched how all the different ones work, and then picked and choose what worked best. Mm. And that's now their product. And to be perfectly honest, it's one of the more expensive ones, mm. and uh, that gives a lot of people pause. And they're like rate shopping for cost sharing plans. I'm like, if they're charging a lot of money, and it's not a lot, but if they're charging more, to me, that signals to me that they're paying. And yeah. that's my biggest pause with a cost sharing plan is, are they going to pay? I don't know. Yeah, and as you explained it, you know, you're catastrophic. Let's say you you break your arm or you have gallbladder surgery and, you know, you're in the bill is a hundred grand and your insurance pays eighty. And you have a bill for twenty, you can then take that twenty, give it to the cost sharing, and they may pay it out because they're relieved they're not paying a hundred, they're only paying twenty. And that's how this system can kind of help with with some of the catastrophic stuff. Absolutely. And that is how I've seen it work. Now, those companies are not going to be happy that that's how I'm touting this at all. Mm -hmm. Because they I, I sell insurance. My company's called Iconic Insurance. It is not insurance, and I need that to be said over and over and over again. We need the strongest disclaimer possible. I am not touting this as an insurance program because it's not. The individual catastrophic health insurance I'm talking about, that's insurance. The DPC is just a membership program. And if you happen to want the cost-sharing program too, that's a completely different, separate entity. It's like AAA. It's not insurance. It's just there if you need help. It's just there if you need help. And, and make sure if you're ever looking into a cost-sharing plan to pair with some type of catastrophic plan, talk to them about it first. 
Um, talk to them about it first and make sure they are okay with that because sometimes they aren't crazy about it. They want to be touted as the one and only thing that you have. And I can understand that. But I'm telling you from doing this for six years, if there was one company that had a product that just did everything that all these people want, I'd be selling it. I'd have it in my toolkit. You wouldn't even have had me on the show because I would have just shown you and Reagan what you should have. It wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't be. I would have probably emailed you a quote and been like, Chris, just sign up for this. Here's your stats, deductible, out of pocket, blah, 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 blah. It just, it doesn't work like that anymore, in my opinion, if you want the best care. I know. It's like I think about those those plans that were quoted for 150 a month from, you know, Humana. If only we could get those back. I mean, and you know, and it covered what I needed it to cover. It was five thousand dollar deductible, and I was just I couldn't afford it because I was just poor. Um, but you know, it it, it it's those days are gone. <laughs> well, there are some people who are still grandfathered onto like a United Healthcare or Blue yeah. Cross Blue Shield one from before the ACA, and I'm telling these people they're they're getting sick and tired of their premium increases because. If new people can't enter the risk pool, guess what? That risk pool is only getting older, and it's only getting sicker. Yeah. And once the rates start to hit certain people's breaking points, if they're healthy, they're going to leave. So guess what? It's getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And so those rates are only going up, up, up. But those plans are amazing. Mm -hmm. And I sit there at these people's kitchen table, and they're like, man, it's $1,500 a month. We, you know, and, and I'm telling them to stay put. I'm walking away from selling them something because it's so good because they can go wherever they want. Yeah. And I tell them, I'm like, until it's causing you significant financial turmoil and stress, you have to hang on to it. So what, I mean, was it the ACA that broke all this? Why, you know, the, the cost of my insurance at work since the passage of the ACA has only gone up 10, 20% every single year. This year, the excuse was that uh, COVID and blah, blah, blah. I get it. I mean, you know, you have 700,000 people die and uh, all these people getting sick and extra calls and extra volume. I mean, it's, it's, you know, for all the rhetoric of, oh, nurses are so bored, they're TikToking, that's bullshit. You know, my mom's an RN. It's been the hardest year of her nursing career. The mandates have made the tension uh, in a, a, a stress-inducing, uh, mental-breaking environment even worse. Uh, being a nurse right now, a doctor, especially in ER, ICU situations, is horrible. Um, totally understand that, you know, and they're not getting support from their, their uh, hospital networks oftentimes. I mean, my mom used the same mask for two months I mean, because in the beginning of this, because they didn't have the wow. masks. Yeah, I mean, they were they had a, a a way to take these N95s and and sanitize them, but that you know kind of made them fall apart. And she's just like, I can't imagine the lung cancer we're going to have from having all these fibers in our lungs, you know, in, in ten years. So, um, so I get that the costs are rising because of that, but you know, the years before that, you know, we're looking at one hundred and fifty percent increase in in my insurance costs over the last few years like what what do you attribute to that i mean the government regulation i guess is an answer but do you have any specific reasons like 
how did we end up in a place where health insurance is just so much more expensive? So in my personal opinion, uh, I think it's a systemic issue. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is if we go way back to the beginning of this, hopefully people are still on here, Mm -hmm. but you had talked about how your doctor has always worked and how that was different from how my doctor now works. Um, and you mentioned the word preventative. Everybody thinks about preventative, you know, mammogram, colonoscopy, pap smear, annual physical blood work, blah, blah, blah. That's all great. That is all great. I hope everybody gets that all the time. But a lot of healthcare in America is reactive healthcare. It's not right. proactive. It's not preventative. It's reactive. You know, you call your doctor when you're sick and you even said it. You're like, I, if something's wrong, I almost don't want to go see the doctor because then he's going to tell me something's wrong. You know, if yeah. he doesn't say I have bronchitis, then I don't. Right. It, I don't know. have diabetes if I'm 330 pounds. I didn't find out I was pre-diabetic until I got a blood test for life insurance. I was like, shoot. Right. I have to lose weight. And so <laughs> and so it's I, I think it's it's so many it's more than twofold or sevenfold or eight you know there's so many reasons why it's more expensive but i think that's one of them i think we have a cultural issue um of you know we have commercials advertising medicine that isn't that is just against the law in other countries it's a, we're one of only two countries that allow it you and it's the only thing that will advertise on CNN anymore. And so there's these people who think, you know, I, I've sat with people who have told me over the phone before I come see them that they're healthy. And and that word is just wildly different from what, from person to person, to person to person. Mm. And, you know, and, and, and I'll sit down with this person who claims to be healthy and they, they have a bucket of prescription medication. And I'm like okay, so you're healthy. And they say, yeah, as long as I take all of these pills every day, I'm in great health. And that's great. I, I'm so glad we have medication for these conditions. I truly am. I, I so much am. I will probably eventually be on so many medications in 30 years, 40 years. Hopefully it's as long as possible, but I will. And I'm glad we have them to to extend life and and quality of life and all that but i feel like we use prescriptions so much i feel like they're a crutch i think that's the i think that's one of the fears that have been exposed by covid is the expectation that if you get sick there's a pill to fix you yes and the terror of realizing that you may on day eight go to the icu and not come out and there's nothing anybody can do for you i think is so panic inducing for people because it under it goes against the it's not even a narrative. It's just this sense of living in in a, a country with a great health system. I mean, with you know, uh, so so much. I'm looking for the word prosperity. I mean, you just you have the ability to fix so many things with a pill now that you just sort of think if I get sick, they can fix me, and this is kind of exposed that they can't. Sure, and, you know, and it's. I think that's kind of terrified people. I think the the the, the oh my god, we've everybody's got. I've got to get the vaccine. I'm crying because I got the vaccine. Is like that that person's like way too invested in. I mean, it's Dan Jones, this historian, talked about like our culture's fear of dying is so intense. 
you know, and I think that plays into it too. But yeah, I think you're right. Like the, the, the idea that a pill can fix anything. So you don't need to really take care of yourself because that's it. That's it right there. Cause I have literally thought that like I can eat McDonald's today because by the time I'm old enough to have heart issues, I'll be able to get a cow heart, you know, or they'll just grow you one. The technology will print your heart. And then, you know, you end up at 55 and you're like, Ah, shit. (laughs) We don't have that. And so that's exactly what it is, is people don't think they have to take care of themselves anymore, and they don't. They just don't. And so they don't. It's easier not to. And this isn't shaming anything or anyone about anything, but we have an obesity problem in this country. That's you saying it. Shame. Shame. Shame on you for being fat. And, but... I'm joking. I know. I know you're joking, (laughs) but, you know, it's... You don't have to get up off the couch anymore. You don't have to cook dinner anymore. You don't have to eat vegetables anymore. You don't have to not play video games all day if you're a kid. You don't have to not do things. You don't have to be responsible for your own health. And and so many people live that way and want to live that way, and that's fine. That's okay. That's not for me. I think somewhat recently that's not for you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm down to 250 from 330. And that's and I have so, no doubt that if I'm I had so proud of you and yeah. we we just met like if a, I had a, got if I had gotten COVID at three thirty I would have died I can tell you this Delta was twice as hard as the first round the classic um, <laughs> and it tested my heart and lungs in a way that the first time didn't in a way that no other I've never been sick like that yeah um, and I have no doubt that I would have died at three thirty I mean there's just it was it took me a month to recover. And, uh, so and so it's really tough. And so for you, your your solution is to take more responsibility. Yeah. And you have your I've you got I've a got two year old. I've and gotten a complacent. Yeah, I've gotten complacent in that. Oh yeah, I'm down to two fifty. I've done all this work. I exercise, you know, in in you know frequently ish. Um, <laughs> but man, there's another gear that has to kick in there at some point because my heart and lungs were sort of prepared for it. Yeah. My my resting heart rate at certain points was 120. Yeah. You know, uh and it was you know, you call the doctor and you go my heart rate is 120 and it has been for a day now. And they're like, "Oh, it's probably just anxiety." Yeah. Like, I'm on day 4 of this. I know I'm not going to the ICU. My oxygen's 99. I'm fine. Like something else is happening here, huh. you know. And I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the hospital because they may tell me something's really actually wrong with me. I just need to calm down. <laughs> You know, so it's just like this. Uh, I don't know. It, it 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 shakes you and kind of makes you go. As long as you get sunlight, you take your vitamins, you exercise, cardio, weightlifting. You know, I do Pilates regularly. Eat well. You know, uh, you're pretty much going to be taken care of in a lot of different areas in in regards to your health, and you you're going to prevent a lot of things. Exercise, having exercised regularly for two years prepared me for COVID. It prepared me for Delta. It prepared me in a way that, and even if I wasn't fully prepared, had I not done that, uh, I would have been in real trouble. Your body's natural immune system is way better than a chest full of pills. Yeah. It's, but you have to nurture it almost in a way you have to sleep you have to eat well and and but but people don't you know some people would disagree with the things i'm saying and that's okay um i also as being a libertarian believe that chris you have every right 
to get right back up to 330. I have no right to tell you how to live your life. And I truly, honestly, very much believe that. But if you want a reason, the health insurance and healthcare costs and everything is rising, it's because we aren't focused on what I consider health very much anymore. Mental health, physical health, spiritual health. I don't think we're very focused on that um, on an individual level. Like, I don't think we're looking at ourselves in the mirror. I've dealt with anxiety and depression my whole life, and I'll still feel myself slipping sometimes. And it's like, well, you haven't been to the gym in three weeks. When's the last time you went for a walk, Matt? It's really amazing. Have you you drank water in the last 48 hours? Put the phone down, get outside, go for a walk, drink a bottle of water, and I feel better. And it's not not a cure-all. I mean, I... We need medications for certain things. I know that. Sure. I'm not being naive about that. But in my purely honest opinion, it's that people rely too much on the healthcare system to fix their problem. And they don't even see it as a problem. Yeah. They assume there will be a pill that will come out every six months that will just make their life better. And there are some remarkable medical breakthroughs. Some of the some of the countries and some of the citizens in other countries that have national health care still come here to get treatment because we have the most groundbreaking therapies for a lot of things and the most groundbreaking drugs. You know, our our physician error rate is still astoundingly high. Right. And and you know, there's a lot of things about the healthcare system that are still whatever. But I, I truly believe it's it's because our culture has sort of moved away from what good physical health and mental health is. Yeah. And none of this has anything to do with the vaccine. No. I'm oh, not God. talking about no. the vaccine or any of that. I mean, this is, uh, everything is now through the lens. Like I'm, I'm, I'm honestly over talking. I, I haven't talked about the vaccine because you should not listen to a podcast host about your, <laughs> whether or not to take your vaccine or not. Um, it's not my business. That is between you and your doctor. Um, I, spent i took a long you know one of the times i have talked to my doctor in the last six months was about the (laughs) vaccine and whether or not to take it um and he gave me a lot of great insights based on my personal health and in regards what to do there um and i'm not going to tell you what i decided because i don't want to tell you well it it shouldn't matter (laughs) it shouldn't matter like i think at some point you don't have to virtue signal on which which side of this you're on um but you know even even if you do, you you need to be you need to uh, to to physically take care of yourself and make sure that you're good um, because this is a bitch. Uh, heart disease is a bitch. Diabetes sucks. You know, like I I thankfully don't have those two things, uh, and I'm trying to chase them off. So, uh, Matt, iconic insurance. Uh, are you able to help our listeners? Like, if if do you do individuals? Do you do groups? Like, what's what's your business? Give yourself individual, a individual, family, small group health insurance. Indiana only. Indiana, okay. Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Ohio, Arkansas. Okay, Arkansas, Illinois. Uh, well, yeah, Arkansas. I got a my first policyholder in Little Rock. Nice. Okay, so you yep. can work in other states then. All right. And the these are basically the people that I can help okay. are small business owners who want to offer some type of benefits to their employees, and they either can't afford it. Or they're paying for it and they're like, man, this is close to breaking the bank. Is there an alternative? Yes. Yeah. Um, I also help people, you know, 1099s, people who have a job but aren't offered coverage. I can help all of them. This is another big one that a lot of people don't realize is 
you sort of touched on it earlier that you know a lot of people stick in the w2 for the benefits it's all about the benefits it's all about the benefits i am helping a remarkable amount of people recently move away from that w2 and take that leap into either starting their own business becoming a 1099 doing gig work whatever because i let them know hey it's okay to let go of those group health insurance benefits i got you right there are individual options and i also help people retire early there's a lot of people out there who have enough money to retire but they're just hanging on to their job and riding it out till Medicare yep. for the health insurance. They don't need to do that either. There yep. are options. And then uh, how in the health insurance, uh, check a podcast directories soon for that. Uh, make sure you go to, what's your website, Iconic Insurance website? Iconic-insurance.com. And uh, your email? Matt, M-A-T-T, at Iconic-insurance.com. All right. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate the information. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Chris Spangle Show. We really appreciate you being here. We really appreciate uh, you uh, sharing this with your friends. If you got something out of it, share this with your partner. Share this with your friends. And uh, let them know that there's a different way to do things uh, in terms of insurance and, and, and everything else. So thank you so much, and we'll see you again tomorrow.